Episode of the Browns Note Podcast. This is Ryan Burns coming to you from Dog Pound West in Orange County, California. You can find the show at the Browns Note. You can find me at FTBL Sickness. My man Brendan Leister is on the line. You can find him at Brendan Leister. He's in the heart of Ohio tonight. We're going to talk Browns football as we come back to camp. Welcome back, everybody. Our long, dark football winter is indeed over. The arrival started today. You can get on any Browns social media or their website. You can see the very exciting act of Baker Mayfield walking through sliding glass doors. You can watch Tyrod Taylor sign in. It's thrilling. It's captivating. V. Leister, how are you, man? Doing great, man. How about you? Good. I'm glad we're back here. Um, let, me a- let me answer a couple of potential audience <laughs> questions just sort of out of the gate. Number one, where have we been since the draft? Well, we've been observing and frankly my policy on these things is I'm not in the business of mustering up content just to have content Um, and if you're asking me what X, Y, or Z at OTAs or minicamp or anything between the draft and now meant um, not much and so we skip it and here we are back to football and I'm excited about it actually Uh, it's going to be in obviously a couple of big things that have happened the Hard Knocks announcement, which we were told was never going to occur. Here we are, going to be on TV next month, going to be fun. And, uh, and well, the Josh Gordon thing. Maybe that's the big one that we ought to talk about first because, to me, um, it's not at all surprising. And if, if the team or a fan were doing anything in reliance on, hey, Josh Gordon's going to be around, they've erred. Um, but it does sound like this is not – business as usual with Josh, even though to a degree it is, it, it sounds like there's a chance that this is something he's just taking advantage of some of the resources the league and the team have put in place for a guy with his history to deal with what he's got. And so I know everybody's out there freaking out about it and, oh, if it were, you know, if it weren't that serious, they would have said something and there's a suspension coming. And frankly, I think it's all pretty irresponsible. I think most of it's not our business. They've told us what we need to know, which is that, A, there's no timetable. B, he won't be there at camp right away. Beyond that, we'll see what happens. Um, any thoughts about that? Not too many thoughts. I just think that it's important that some of these, you know, some of these depth receivers really step up quickly. Um, Jeff Janis probably earned a roster spot today with the news that Ricardo Lewis is out for the season with a neck injury. Um, Antonio Callaway, he probably needs to step up. It would be great if Rashard Higgins came along, but that's probably not to be expected at this point. And then, um, you know, if they're down to Landry and then hoping Coleman really steps up in year three, then you got to hope that they play more two two tight end sets um, and even put two running backs on the field sometimes as well. See, and to me, all this is still putting the cart before the horse because I think there's 
it still feels to me like there's a decent chance they're going to have Gordon once the actual season rolls around. And if that's the case, well, then to me, yeah, I'd like him to have a few reps for the chemistry. On the other hand, I'd also like him to play 16 games and not twist an ankle in some meaningless preseason game against the Bears. So if that's what it ends up being, I'm fine with all this. So I'm, I'm inclined to sort of not jump off this bridge until we actually come to it. Um, so, for, you know, there are obvious implications. You got to get other guys ready. You got to think, you got to say out loud, sure, we had a discussion about Des Bryant, even though you're probably not going to go signing Des Bryant. If they do, eh, that won't excite me. In fact, I probably would be against it at this juncture. I mean, I know everybody's, the name matters, but, and, and sure, he's still a capable guy, but th- this team, if you're really excited about winning your seventh game this year instead of six, great, but. To me, you need to be building for not, and this isn't to punt this season, but you need to be getting guys reps that are going to be playing meaningful snaps for you for three or four years. And Des Bryant isn't one of those guys. Oh, I agree with that 100%, especially when you consider that Des Bryant's best in the slot at this point, and the Browns have one of the best slot receivers in the NFL and Jarvis Landry. A lot of money on that slot position. Exactly. So it'd be redundant. And Des Bryant isn't really an outside guy anymore. And and just to clarify on the Josh Gordon stuff, I was just saying if he were to be out for an extended period of time, that's what would need to happen. I agree with you that I think he'll be back around the beginning of the season, maybe even in the middle of the preseason. We'll, we'll see when he comes back. But I don't think that they're really going to be playing football games without him unless like an injury happens, because I from everything that I gather, I think that he is in a good place right now. Yeah, I mean, generally, there's really no hard info aside from him mm-hmm. deciding to step aside. And and to me, look, I don't know it firsthand, but I've been around, you know, addiction stuff enough um, to be at least cognizant that there are a lot of different ways to approach the problem. And if you're on TV all the time and you happen to maybe be a little introverted and you've got anxiety and you've been smoking weed since you were 12 because you were brought up in an environment that didn't provide you with the kinds of coping skills that some of us are privileged enough to have. Yeah, I can see where maybe the beginning of an NFL season after missing a bunch of time for the reasons he did and about to do it on national tele- national cable television um, might be a little stressful. So to me, I'll just hope for the best for Josh. And frankly... I wasn't relying on him to be there anyway because how could anyone in their right mind possibly do that based on the history? So let's move on from Josh. Um, the Hugh Dorsey, the Hugh Jackson, John Dorsey presser today, I don't know if you saw that, but I, look, Hugh repeated his line again about how this isn't about personal wins anymore. I, I feel no need to comment any further on that. That's a recips loquitur moment for me. The thing speaks for itself. Um, and he comes out there wearing the... The Dorsey outfit with the Browns sweatshirt, the super plain Middle America brown sweatshirt with the big block lettering and the Brownie the Elf hat. I am not a Brownie the Elf fan, so for those of you that are really excited about the return of the Elf, um, we'll just have to diverge there. I listened to that press conference, and frankly, I didn't hear anything new. I didn't hear anything interesting, and so I don't have much to say about it. You got anything? No, I just think that it's really corny the way that they're uh pushing this whole same page thing so hard i think it it just seems very fake 
like like a facade kind of. Yeah, They're just Dorsey and, pushing Dorsey it and so hard. Never met before they did this, really. Right. And so the idea that they're now just perfectly in lockstep about everything. Yeah, I'm sure Hugh prefers him to Sashi Brown, and I'm sure for now they think they're in lockstep. Let's talk about it if they're 0-4. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Let's uh, see how things stand at week eight. Yeah, I just – and we'll, let's see what happens when Hugh Jackson wants to – linger a little too long with the veteran quarterback if everybody else is thinking it's time to make the move all those things are gonna it's gonna get interesting at some juncture I mean the coaching staff has made their bed and so to some degree they're going to either lie in it or they're gonna they're gonna bounce on it so if they do really well we'll all be happy um and some of us will be surprised how about (laughs) we talk about one of these sort of manufactured discussions that happens via the internet or via sometimes you know talk radio or espn or whatever but there was a a tweet today sort of one of those format tweets where it's fill in the blank and choose your own adventure with regard to something and it was it gave you a set of categories for your given nfl team and i if i'm remembering the categories right do you have it in front of you brendan yeah i've got it so breakout comeback rising star don't forget Needs to rebound, dark horse, and under the radar. And do we know who originated this concept, or it's just so widely proliferated now that we'll just have to tip our cap to public domain? Yeah, I'm not sure who started it. All right, well, we give you credit, oh, anonymous, you know, tweeter. Um, All right, well, so let's just, what do you say we alternate them? Who's your breakout? My breakout is David Njoku. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I think heading it. into year two, yeah, the way that he seems to be a really hard worker, high character guy. He's freak athlete, young. Um, he produced last year when given opportunities. You know, if you look at a lot of his targets last year, it wasn't a lot of accurate throws. And the way that he improved his blocking by the end of the season, it really led to him getting more snaps. So I think in this bigger role this year, I think that he'll have a breakout season in year two. I mean, I don't know if it counts, but I went super obvious with Miles Garrett. We're going to get a bunch of sacks. A bunch of sacks. We're going to get 16. There you go. We're going to get 16 healthy games, Brendan. That's the first thing. That's key number one. And we're going mm-hmm. to get, get double-digit sacks, which I know seems, well, duh, you'd like to have double-digit sacks. But, you know, anybody could pull up, say, I don't know, Jadavian Clowney's pro football reference page and see what they see. Um so I'd go with Miles. I like to think he's going to have a really nice second year. Uh, my comeback player, I don't know if this is going to qualify, but I can make the argument so it qualifies enough, and frankly, there are no rules here. I'm going to go with Corey Coleman. I, I expect the added competition to be good for Corey Coleman, um, and maybe he's going to get a little bit more of an opportunity now that you know there's going to be a little bit of a Gordon absence. And I don't know if it really even qualifies as a comeback, but he's had enough injury history. And with the way last season ended for him in terms of there's that, there's that predictable segment of Brown's fanhood who can't fucking stand Corey Coleman because he dropped a pass, you know, that frankly mattered not at all. Um, but I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, my pick is actually Corey Coleman as hey. well. Um, 
<laughs> I agree about the competition. I think that Jarvis Landry is a really good pickup uh, for Coleman. Just the competitive nature and the leadership in the wide receiver room. I think that's good. I think also changing the wide receiver coach, not not anything against the previous coach because he's uh, – the name's escaping me right now. It's almost one thirty in the morning. Yep, Al Saunders. Um, he's a great wide receiver coach, but I think just getting a new guy, you know, sometimes a new voice can make a change for a young player and, uh, hopefully in a, in a lesser role, you know, cause he was kind of thrust right into being expected to be the number one receiver right out the gate as a rookie. Um, I don't know if he has the type of, if he had the type of mentality to really handle that. And now he'll be in more of a supporting role. That's the plan. I think he'll be kind of like the you know, he'll be an outside receiver, but he'll be kind of like the number three guy, you know, he'll play less snaps. So I think that in year three, if he can just stop breaking his hand and get consistent, accurate passes thrown his way from better quarterback play, I think that there's a great chance that he uh, has a great comeback season. Yeah, it would be great if he would stop breaking his hand. Yeah, you know, the, the yep. wide receiver position is probably, well, no, quarterback would be the number one. But between the quarterback and the wide receiver and the running back, you know, the offensive skill positions, just as an aside, looking back, obviously that was a huge area of weakness under the Sashi Brown campaign. You can't really argue, in my mind, you can't really argue with what this group has done. You can, you can nitpick as you will, but admittedly some of these guys are carryovers. So the Coleman, if you like Coleman, that's, part, that's a plus. David Njoku's a carryover. Duke, Duke Johnson's a carryover. But the way they supplemented at the wide receiver position, the addition of the vet in Carlos Hyde and the rookie in Nick Chubb, I really feel like they've paid pretty conscious attention to, hey, we need to score more points. And it leaves, it leaves me anyway. Look, you know I'm not confident about Hugh Jackson, but I think Todd Haley's a pretty good offensive mind, and I think most of these guys are pretty good professional football players. So I, I really do feel like um, it, ought, it ought to come together pretty quickly on the offensive side of the ball that way. Yeah, I agree with that. And another guy that you know people haven't mentioned too much, but Darren Fells, actually. You know, he, I guess he was productive in the red zone when he got red zone targets, um, and he's also one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. And nobody really talks about him, but he's gonna get I think that that's – You're right. Yeah, definitely. And I like Seth DeValve a lot, too. Yeah, I like Seth DeValve plenty, too. But the thing is, injuries are inevitable. I keep saying it on Twitter. People have to remember that backups are going to play. And there's going to be times where they need fells. They need DeValve to step up. And that's going to happen. And they've got guys now. They're not relying on replacement level players at those positions. And that's key. Yeah, it's a big deal. How about your rising star? Miles Garrett. Um, yeah, I, I suppose think, it was sort of a flip a coin as to which spot you wanted to put him in. Yeah, definitely. Different guys can fit at these spots for sure. But yeah, just, you know, great athlete, great player. I'm looking forward to seeing him in year two. I'm going with the guy across the line from him. Ogba, down the line from him, whatever yeah. you want to call it. I think Ogba was deeply underappreciated, um, not just by Browns fans, but nationally. The, with all the discussion going into the draft about, hey, these guys need to take Bradley Chubb and run. I, I always wondered why, why we weren't watching Emmanuel Ogba. Emmanuel Ogba was the first pick of the second round in his draft, so he was essentially a first-rounder, and there were people who absolutely would have taken him had they had the pick in the first round. Um, he led the nation in sacks when he was a college junior, I believe, and he's still super young. 
And he was, for a guy of his age and training, exceptionally good against the run last year. Showed plenty of athleticism in the in the pass rush game, although definitely needs to to come along in terms of technique. But he's still such a young guy, and the whole point of drafting guys like that is that after two or three years, it comes around and it's boom, big impact. And if you've got a leap from Garrett and Ogba all at once, I I mean to me, it's Ogba that's going to benefit because Garrett's get, you're going you're going to put two guys on Miles Garrett. That's happening, and so. After that, you got to figure out how to block the rest of these guys. Larry Ogunjobi is going to be a problem. Ogba is going to be a problem. And I look forward to seeing it. So my rising star is Ogba. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he had double-digit sacks. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. And I want to mention this stat again. I think he was third in tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage right. at the time that he got injured in the entire NFL. So he was making plays in the backfield at the line of scrimmage consistently. Long. Yeah. Yeah. Just dominating the line of scrimmage. He was like an immovable object on the edge. So that's a great pick. All right. My don't forget is Mr. BBC, Brienne Body Calhoun. I feel like we talk about the secondary a lot and, and you know people are rightfully excited about Denzel Ward and the all the free agent signings at the corner and they're talking about more corners with Breland coming in maybe in a, on a free agent visit and obviously they addressed the safety position heavily the past couple of years I sat there all off season wondering okay but Body Calhoun's going to be on the field right because to me after the couple of guys up front Body Calhoun was their best defensive player I thought he, he was versatile. He will hit. He has all kinds of grease to him. I, I loved what he brought to the team, and it was instant to me. The minute they got him in from Jacksonville, he started making plays, and he's never stopped so long as they've given him opportunities. Is he, is he a dynamic athlete in the elite sense of, of say, a Peppers? No. Brienne Body Calhoun is a really good football player, and I want him on the field, frankly, until I see otherwise, I want him on the field as much as possible. Yep. Great instincts, and he has a nose for the football, and that's two things that you just you want that on your defense. So I agree. There's a good chance that he's in the best 11, no matter who you're putting out there. So I agree 100%. Whether it's a safety, outside corner, or covering the slot as a nickel, I think he needs to be on the field a, a ton. And he's so I agree dark. with that. He's gonna, he's, yep. He wants to hit you in the face. I like that. 100%. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Here, here's a, I think I was going to put Emmanuel Ogba first for don't forget. So was I, but, (laughs) but I went with Chris Smith and I think, you know, nobody really talks about him or thinks about him, but great call. But I think he's going to be a huge key to the team's interior pass rush on pass downs. I think, you know, they, they, a lot of times last year, they would like sub the whole defensive line out and put in the backup defensive line and, and they would just get dominated in the run game. Well, I expect Chris Smith to be a defensive end on rundowns whenever they sub out the whole D line, which, you know, that must be a Greg Williams thing. And then on pass downs, he'll play inside, they'll line him up over guards and in the center. And that's what he did in Cincinnati. And he did very well at that. He was a good interior pass rusher. So I think that that's huge for the defense. That's that was I thought one of their biggest needs this offseason behind quarterback was upgrading the interior pass rush on the defensive line. 
So I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays this year, and hopefully he can give them the interior push to help Ogba and Garrett turn pressures into sacks. God, I want so many sacks. I want all the sacks. I want to lead the league mm-hmm. in sacks. It would make me so happy. Who needs to rebound? Jabril Peppers needs to rebound. Like big time. I mean, just after the season oh, that he had as a fault, man. Like, oh no, it's not. I agree, but but what I'm saying yards it, off the ball, he ain't gonna rebound. If they make him a strong safety and make him an edge or a force player, he'll be great. Right. I, I agree hundred percent. You know that I've been banging that drum the whole time. It it wasn't his fault. He was put in a position he shouldn't have been put in. And I don't understand why they put the free safety so deep anyway, but but uh you know, he's a first-round pick last year. I think from a confidence standpoint, he needs to put something on the field this year to rebound. You know, he just needs to bounce back from last year's performance. Yeah, don't you think some of last year was pressing? Possibly, but I thought it was so hard to even judge his play yeah, because he just—he was I so mean, far from the game. A spot that I think has nothing to do with the kind of player he is. And yep. so as a result of that, he's out there desperately trying to make things happen. And and frankly, in my in my view, he wasn't even he wasn't even bad. Like there yeah. there were times he was downright good, but he he wasn't in a position to do the things that he's best at, which is insane. And again, this returns us to our probably our single biggest beef with the entire organization at, at the moment. And so, what I will tell you is that the person that I think needs to rebound is Hugh Jackson. Mm. Hugh Jackson came to this organization in a hailstorm of confetti and hype and offensive guruism noise, and not a damn sight of it has been seen. And look, y'all know I haven't been real complimentary now, and I'm not a patient guy, so this is not something I expect to happen. But I also, I don't, deep down, I don't believe Hugh Jackson is a 1-31 head coach. I saw him in Oakland do what he did in Oakland. He's definitely a capable offensive mind, even where I have other thoughts at times. And he's now been given more than enough to work with. Whatever else we can say. That whole, I don't have the guys to run my shit excuse, that's out the window. The, I've got too much to do excuse, that's out the window. The, I don't have a competent quarterback, that's out the window, baby. So, with all that said, look, as down as I am on Hugh Jackson, I am going to root like hell for that dude to secure a long-term deal by winning 15 fucking games. So, <laughs> look, Hugh Jackson 15. needs a rebound. Because if he doesn't, he's gone. What, what's the, let's see, my next category. Sorry, I skipped, I got excited about Hugh there. The dark horse. And this is the one I had trouble sort of pegging as to what this really was supposed to mean. But it feels like to me that people are doing everything in their power to avoid coming to the conclusion that Sean Coleman's going to be the starting left tackle. And they're talking about Austin Corbett. They're talking about moving Joel Batonio. Benoit this week came out with the article that said, nobody expected Sean Coleman to get a shot. Now, that's not true. I expect Sean Coleman to get the first crack at it. 
Um, but I think I think of Coleman as a dark horse in the following sense. I I thought he was pretty good for a guy that was playing as his first full season as starter. There, you know, there were warts to be sure. Um, but he's a physical guy. He's got a lot of bend to him. He's he's willing as hell. Like he's not out there just trying to get by. He's not out there trying to figure it out. He's gonna fight you. And whether he has quite enough agility or expertise and technique to be a really good tackle right now or left tackle right now is probably not even the point of the discussion. As you've said many times, what we need up front is competence. And we need it steadily across the board with good communication across the five players. And preferably, we're not moving guys around and in and out of the lineup all year. We want five guys who can block the dudes in front of them, who know where the checks are, and who will gel and communicate. And my view is Sean Coleman, admittedly from afar and with limited, you know, <laughs> limited expertise and ability to dig into it from a personal level. I, I see a guy that was really coming along as a right tackle, and I know the thought all along has been left tackle might be in this dude's future. And so, sure, might it end up being Betonio? I guess. Might it end up being Corbett? Could be. But my dark horse is Sean Coleman comes in and actually plays pretty competent football as the starting left tackle of the Cleveland Browns. Nice pick. I like it. Definitely not as bad as the reputation says, you know. My dark horse is uh, Antonio Callaway. Very talented rookie, explosive wide receiver, all-around playmaker at Florida. Obviously has the off-field concerns, but hasn't had anything happen since the draft. So we'll see what happens. Two months. <laughs> right, right, right. But well, look, he's going to get a chance. You got to think, right? Yeah, I think I think he'll kind of split the role with Coleman. That's that's the way that I view it. I think depending on the play, depending on the package. I think that he and Coleman will split one of the outside receiver spots. I think I think it's likely that Gordon will be on the field. Yeah. So I think he'll obviously play the other spot and be on the field all the time. Landry will be on the field all the time in two receiver sets, but when there's three receivers on the field, Landry goes to the slot and then Coleman or Callaway steps on and that's the third receiver. So I like it. I yeah, I really like Antonio Callaway's talent. We'll see what happens. Boy, they got with a the bunch rest. of people that can score the rock, don't they? Seems from that way. We'll see. I mean, I we will see on Sundays. <laughs> Nick Chubb can score from anywhere. Duke Johnson can score from anywhere. Josh Gordon can score from anywhere. David Njoku can score from almost anywhere. Seth DeValve can score from almost anywhere. Corey Coleman and Antonio Callaway can definitely score from anywhere. This is a team that can should be able to score some touchdowns. I'm excited. Should be. They have a quarterback that can deliver the ball for crying out loud. This is right. this is a new new deal. Um, and again, this is I remember being excited. They're going to be really good, but mm -hmm. it ought to be competent and competitive for yeah. sure. How about your your last guy, your under the radar guy? And I I have a sneaking suspicion we've chosen the same person here. It's Larry Ogunjobi. No, we didn't, but that was the other guy I was considering, so go ahead. Yeah, just 
young athletic interior defensive lineman um i think he's better at this point in the run game than he is in the pass game but you know, the defensive coaches don't think of this as under the radar they think he's maybe one of their two or three best players is that so he seemed to be a backup for meter and otas wasn't he yeah he's he wasn't even yeah i hope not he, he better be starting i think meter is like a fringe type player but anyway yeah i'm I'm high on Larry Ogunjobi. I think he's a good, uh, I view him as a nose tackle at this point. I'm hopeful that he can show the type of pass rush ability to be able to play three technique at a high level. But, um, at this point, yeah, I think he's a very good modern nose tackle that can give you some pass rush, hold the point of attack in the run game and also penetrate in the backfield, make tackles at the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage. So I like him good young player. I think he's going to have a very good year in year two. So and a bigger I. role. So do I. I think he's. I think he's critical to the operation. Frankly, my under the radar guy is Seth Devalve, mm-hmm. and it's because I mean, rightfully there are a lot of other weapons people are talking about. But as you've noted, Devalve is as athletic as it gets. He's fast. He's smart. He's a move guy to me. He's not gonna be a guy that is ever really, really good as an inline. But that's fine. You don't need that. It's always useful, and particularly in my view, once you are trying to score, to have a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound dude who can run like the friggin' wind and catch the ball. And my my study of Devalve tells me he has a real good feel for space, a real good feel for where to where to manipulate routes and defenders. And so to me it's just a matter of health and opportunity for this guy. If he's healthy and he's on the field, he's gonna be really productive. And he's not going to have a ton of pressure. You know, he's going to be in there in situations where the idea is, okay, let's get Seth DeValve the ball and see what he can do. Because he's not going to be out there blocking guys. They've got two guys that can do that. And ultimately, like you said, I think Fells is going to be out there a lot. So DeValve's role to me is going to be more that in the, in the four receiver looks, four and five receiver looks. And it's just going to be we're going to run guys out there that, you know, are wearing tight end numbers and say tight end of the program, but I can put Najoku and DeValve out there and they don't have to play tight end. And to me, that's the value there. And so I think there's a chance that when you start dealing with the mismatches and the double teams that people are going to want to put elsewhere, assuming that the personnel's on the field, I think DeValve's going to have a lot of looks, a, a lot, you know, relative to his snap count. I think he's going to have a lot of looks against guys that have no hope of covering him right I think that's the thing too. a player like that when it's an offense like this with these types of athletes on the field I think a player like DeValve can kind of sneak up on someone if if they haven't done the film study and you know prepared the way that they should we all know that some guys in the NFL don't prepare quite as much as others they all prepare to a degree but you know I could see DeValve really sneaking up on people and yeah he's a great athlete the one thing with him, I think, is his just his hands. I just think his hands need to improve. He had a few more drops than you'd like you to see, but to me, I yeah. Mean, but he, but he's a good player, good receiver, and I'm excited to see him in year three. I mean, I, I think again, you, sort of like what you said about Coleman, where the role doesn't have to be enormous to be really impactful for the for the mm-hmm. for the size of the role, and so that that's what I'm looking for from that spot. Good. We covered all those little categories. That was fun. So they covered a lot of the a lot of the field too. Um, the one guy 
humorously not mentioned that I think we ought to mention because he is not being talked about nearly enough in my view and I'm sure in your view, Tyrod Taylor. Mm -hmm. I, I know we're all, not we're all, but the, the football media world is excited to see Baker Mayfield and undoubtedly it'll be interesting to see how he performs in the preseason because he's going to have some chances, I assume, to throw with some guys who can play, all that. Tyrod Taylor is going to keep him off the field. And if you think that's a terrible thing, I have no idea what you've been watching for the past 20 years, 40 years, whatever, five years. And it's not because I don't believe Baker Mayfield might not be able to handle it. It's not any of that. It's, again, and I've said this as much as I've said anything on these podcasts, to me it's a very simple prospect. It is a very difficult adjustment in any line of work, any walk of life, to go from being a grown-up or to go from being a college student to being a grown-up with a full-time job and no summer vacation and all that stuff. This is moving to an entirely foreign city in an entirely different part of the country slash world. Uh, you're doing it on national television. You're doing it for huge amounts of money with all kinds of pressure in a place that hasn't been successful since before you were born. I'm going to say let's let him get his feet wet first. So to me, the Tyrod Taylor signing keeps coming back as the pillar of a totally sound plan. Even where I quibble or even disagree with a move, the plan itself, <laughs> add a veteran quarterback who won't screw it up for us. He's not going to lose you the game. That's a big deal. Put a guy behind him who works hard and is accurate and takes care of the ball. They've done that. Go get a bunch of weapons to, so that whatever quarterback you put there has a shot. They've done that. So, look, let's go play some ball. Hey, man, I think Tyrod Taylor is the key to the season. I think it's, it's him and it's the defensive coordinator. I think those, those are the two positions last year where on Sundays when you watch games, it's like, holy shit, the defensive scheme is terrible. What the hell is going on? And holy shit, the quarterback can't do anything except throw interceptions in the red zone and audible to quarterback sneaks on the three-yard line. Anyway. <laughs> no, that's all but, done now. We're done with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, yeah, Tyrod Taylor, I've said it multiple times on here. I just think he's a very solid starting quarterback in the NFL. And the thing with that pickup is it's very much like a culture pick or, or culture pickup, I should say, a culture move. You know, he comes in, I think, just you know, the guy's – it's just totally yeah, the guys like have rallied around him. You know, they they all kind of look up to him. And yeah, he leads it. Yep, exactly. Yep. Like he's like a stabilizing force in the organization, and uh, I just oh, think it's a good yeah. good thing. Just like Jarvis Landry, another leader. You know, th those are important types of people to have in your locker room. Yeah, I agree. Now, brief aside before we go, I I don't mean to play into speculation and TMZ and all that, but there's sure been an awful lot of aroma of Odell Beckham and the Browns. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just going to leave that there <laughs> for future discussion should anything arise. Because, you know, Dorsey mentioned 
in his presser today, you know, we might have a thing or two out there that we might be able to do. Talking about trades and the wide receiver position. I don't know. I don't know. Got the, got the same coach that was at LSU with Landry and Beckham as your wide receiver coach. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Fun stuff. We're back. Football. Yay, Browns. Yeah, go Browns. I'll, GPO, I'll be at Camp Friday. <laughs> oh, you're going to Camp Friday. Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Berea. So, so I will. It starts Thursday. You'll be there the next day. So we're two days out. It starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is the eve of camp, indeed. Oh, this is thrilling stuff. Yeah. And hard so I'll probably tweet out, some, huh? tweet out some observations. No, does does hard knocks take pictures? Do they? I think they do. All right. Well, we need. I was some, just... we need video. I need Instagram oh, okay. live out of here. I need all of it. Yeah, I'm just gonna pay attention to like where specifically guys are You're be lining. Like Eight hundred you know? yards from the quarterbacks, and you won't be able to see anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like it. B. Leister reporting potentially live from the uh, from the Browns training camp this year. This this year, we'll get at least a couple of clips, some tweets. You know, before we go, um, any sort of particularly interesting camp, either battles or storylines that you're excited about? To me, it's it's always the development of the young guys. For me, that's the thing that I'm most interested in because the rest of it, all those other guys know what they're doing. They're just getting reps. They're just trying to get ready for the season. And honestly, I don't put much stock in any of it other than is there steady progress with the young guys? Yeah, um, I almost put Denzel Ward as my breakout player. I really hope that he's like jumps in there right away and plays a huge role in the defense. So well, I don't think I want to way around that. They, they yeah. pretty much have to put him there. But I mean, like I, you know how young guys take their lumps a lot of times. Like I hope that he just hits the ground running and you hope plays well out the gate. So do I. Exactly. <laughs> right. Of course. I think but, he is, but I hope he's really good. Yeah. I think he has a chance to be, if they play him the right way, that that's the key again. Defensive coordinator. You mean like um, putting their safety help in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, and lining them up eight yards off the ball when it's second and one. <laughs> Good time. Um, Good time. Yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, battles. Derek Kindred is like a forgotten guy at this point, but he's still a very solid football player, very good in the run game, and I think a developing player in the pass game. So him and Peppers, you know, I think they'll both have roles in the defense. Um, so I expect Peppers to start a strong safety, but I think they'll both play snaps, and and having that depth is important. So that's an inter- interesting spot. The cornerback position just all around, all three cornerback spots, if you count nickel. I think that's definitely – a position to watch linebacker they've got if they decide to play a modern nfl defense this year and have two linebackers on the field most of the time instead of three Jamie collins on the roster week one. Oh, that's a great question man i think that i think he will kendrick, be or that kendrick signing that's that's a yeah. harbinger i don't know for what exactly but it would not well, shock me at all if jamie collins was gone yeah i mean collins is the He's the only true Sam linebacker out of those four guys, you know, because they said that they're starting Kendricks yeah. out at will. Yeah. And then they've got Kirksey at will as well. Schobert's at the mic. And, and you know, the linebacker coach said that Schobert's the smartest linebacker they've had in the system when it comes to calling the defense, which is pretty high praise. 
Um, I mean, Burgess is the other Sam linebacker, but I think Collins will be on the roster. Yeah, but I'm just interested to see who will be on the field the most, and hopefully they stop playing three linebackers on all the time because you can't match up with people when you do that. Um, other positions is I'm just – I'll always be looking at – like who is the X receiver? Who's the Z receiver? You know, who's lining up at the different spots? Cause that, I think that makes it, di- well, it definitely makes a difference. Like as a coach in the role in the offense and stuff, I'm looking forward to see where, seeing where they line up like Coleman versus Callaway and stuff like that. But yeah, interior defensive line, you know, Coley versus Brantley. And then I already mentioned, yeah, I think Peter. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a starting position though. I mean, that's, those guys are competing for a starting spot and Ogan Joby meter, I guess. I mean, hopefully they don't start meter, but nah, Larry's, Larry's Greg Williams, Greg Williams seems to love him. I don't know. Well, we shall see camp starts tomorrow today where you are. It's already today out there for you. It's 1049 local here, which means it's, Oh shit. O'clock where you are. <laughs> you need <laughs> Almost 2 AM. Yeah. You need to get to bed, sir. Uh, but I'm glad we got together to do this on the eve of yep. camp. I am uh, uh, cautiously excited to see hopefully some genuine competitive NFL football this season. And uh, we'll leave the bar set right there at some reasonable tolerability. That's right about where we're putting it. Just be tolerable. 131, not tolerable. 7 and 9. Short-term tolerable. Yeah, Brendan yeah. didn't like that call. <laughs> He's looking for 10 wins this year. How many wins no, does it's Hugh not, need? To, it's not that. How many wins does Hugh need for you not to fire him? Oh, my God. Um, I've always thought seven was the number. I mean, I, th- I think seven is the number to, that he keeps his job. Yep. For me, personally, if I'm the owner, I'm I just can't even – Put myself in that position. I'm the owner, so that's not right. the right question. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. you said for me, but well, yeah, I think seven. Yeah. I think seven and nine keeps his job. I think six and ten is right on the. You know, that's borderline. It's really going to depend on his relationship with Dorsey at that point. Um, but I'm definitely not feeling the most optimistic. But again, Tyrod. I think Tyrod Taylor is just he such a, a huge difference. Key I agree. It's the, it is the key. I mean, if he takes care of the ball and just takes what the defense gives him and the defense plays well, I think this team has a chance to win more games than I expect. From your mouth to the football God's ears, let it be so. And that folks is episode 55 of the Browns note podcast. This welcome back to camp edition camp Eve. It starts in just a few hours now going to be fun. Some of you, hopefully, will be listening to this on your way to Berea to take in a little first-day action. Uh, we'll find out what's going on in the first few days. We'll be back sometime in the short to not-quite-immediate future. B. Leister has some actual football to get involved with, so we'll see what his availability offers us in terms of um, full podcast uh, strength. But one way or another, we'll have some shows. We'll talk about whatever developments come down the pike. Hopefully, all of them good. Let us all put our hands together and do the football version of praying for really healthy training camp. That's my whole thing. Is let's just not break everybody before we get there. Because the whole thing is, I really would just, I just want to see the thing. I feel like 
for the last couple, we still haven't gotten to see the thing. I'd like to see the thing this year. Can I please see the thing? <laughs> Brendan Leister. You can find him at Brendan Leister on Twitter. You can find me at FTBL Sickness. Find the show at The Browns Note. That's it for this week. We'll be back fairly regularly for the next six months. Good Lord. Football season's back, baby. Go Browns. Woof. <laughs> Oh,